Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Greetings, fungal associates. Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. I am alongside the incredible and the incredibly handsome, if I do say so myself. Wow. Casey Clapp. Get out of here. I'm just sitting over here minding my own business. Casey, you hit me upside the head with the compliment line. <laughs> your hair is quite long. Oh, thank you. I've seen you with like basically like a, like a bun a yeah. couple times. Yeah, it's you, my new thing. My mom hates it. Oh, well, what your mom hates, Alex loves. Thank you. So does everybody else. I get many compliments on it. Yeah. I Thank you. It's very kind of you to say it. Right now, I'm wearing my favorite bicycling hat, as I do, and it makes it so I can put all my hair in the back and then have it pop out. Look, It looks kind of like I got a mullet a little bit. Yes, it's yeah. quite mullet-like. Yeah, it feels good. feels right. But then when you take your cat off, it's like it's like a <sighs> romance novel yeah, illustration. Exactly. I was going to say a Pantene Pro-V commercial. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> Herbal Essence. Herbal Essence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Casey, we have a lot to get through this episode. Gosh, don't we? Uh, and let's first talk about this big old fun thing happening in our lives, mm-hmm. which is... It rained today. We have officially opened our merch store. Oh, that too! Casey. I knew what you were going to say. I'm stunned. It's so... The response? Holy heck, you guys. Yeah. We ran out of shirts. We ran out of shirts in like a day and a half. God. Uh, thank you to everybody who bought anything off our store. We are just gobsmacked. We are so pleased. It's amazing. It's really put a fire in our bellies uh, for more fun, uh, you know, custom merch and it's things. It's true. In fact, we already have a document for uh, a, a bunch of stuff coming out sometime. That's true. We are already, already working on our fall line. Uh <laughs> So, but, but there is, there is a, there is a, uh, a dark side to the fact that we got so many orders in yeah. our first 24 hours. Yeah, it's true. Casey. Uh, we have to ship those orders. Yep. Guess what I am feverishly learning how to do. <laughs> we are, and I say we, uh, Casey is spearheading the shipment, shipment stuff. Ugh. Uh, stumbling our way hardcore through learning how to ship things. Yeah. We thought we knew. And we basically did not. Yeah. You know what? It's easy. It, it, you'd think it's easy to just send a letter. It's it's not, especially if that letter has a T-shirt in it. Yeah. You know how like uh, teachers will have will like learn all about kids and how mm-hmm. to how to make curriculum, mm-hmm. and they they come out of school and they get their first teaching job, and it's like a fucking war zone. <laughs> nothing you. This is what a teacher. I have lots of teacher friends. Nothing that you ever learn in school can prepare you for working in a classroom yeah, with, with thirty children. The actual tra- children. Yes. Yeah, so we were as prepared. I think as prepared as we could be. I thought so. And then we got hit with a tsunami of orders, which. Which we were so grateful for, but also wowzers. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot we don't know how to do, but we're yeah. figuring it out. So, uh, thank you for being patient. Everything yes. is on its way, either in a metaphysical way or a literal way, and it just—we're uh, not quite sure which one it is. Yes, probably physical. Probably physical. Everything is on its way. Thank you so much for being patient. Uh, we hope it'll be worth it. Yeah, we really do. Everyone, uh, these are also, all the things that we're doing, I should we should add this. I know we put it on the store, mm-hmm. um, but we were looking on trying to, like how we want to ship these things, and I just hate waste. I hate plastic. I hate using things that are just going to go straight to the trash can. Yeah. So we have like gone out of our way to try to ship things that are uh, in 100% recycled material mm-hmm. or, or recyclable material, 
and or both. Yeah. That's the that's the scheme. You the the package the t-shirts come in, you can literally take that and put it in your fireplace and burn it or throw it right back into your recycle bin or I think you could also theoretically compost with it. Uh-huh. Yeah, stunning. So anyway, everyone, thank you so very much. Yeah, thanks, it's, guys. We're so excited. We got more things on the way. They're coming. So if you tried to get a T-shirt and you didn't get the opportunity, more will be coming in, um, I think, by the time this comes out, a week and a half or so. Yep, about so, two weeks or so. Yeah, you'll have, a, you'll have more opportunities. And keep an eye, because we're going to be constantly adding in new stuff. Uh, is just, yeah, th- ugh. What a what a day. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thank you, everybody. Well, Casey, today we're talking about a fantastic tree, one that you and I both love. Uh, I do love this tree. Its cone is in my top five cones. <gasps> really? In fact, I have one sitting before me, there Casey. There it is. I see it right there. The tree we're talking about this week is the Western Hemlock. Oh, Hemlock, Hemlock. This is a non-pseudo-suga. This is just a suga. Yeah, this is a straight suga. Straight suga up in here. Spelled with a T, everyone. That's it's Right. Uh, I believe it's the Japanese term for hemlock initially. Oh wow! Okay. That's what I'm told. Uh, Casey, uh, Latin on this on this guy? Yeah, suga. T s u g a. Heterophylla. Heterophylla. Yes, yes. Let's first imagine that you and I are walking through a Pacific Northwest forest. I think we can do that. And we come across. A beautiful western hemlock. God, yes. are they gorgeous. Oh, I was around a bunch of them this week. Nice. They're everywhere up. I was on the Olympic Peninsula. It's beautiful. Lovely. And uh, I say, Casey, please describe this tree to me and our listeners. All right. So you are, you got it right. So the reason they call it the uh, non-uniform leafed hemlock is because it has little, uh, little needle-like leaves, like what you'd expect from any kind of conifer. Right kind of standard in that regard um however they are two ranked which means they come out to the left and to the right so remember when we talked about uh douglas fir for oh, instance okay where you have your little twig and has a bunch of needles that come out spirally arranged along the entire around the entire stem or the yes. entire little twig right? right um so it looks kind of like a bottle brush mm-hmm. where if you looked at the if you look straight down the uh the thing you would see like the twig you would see that there are leaves and needles coming off in every direction right in this case if you look straight down the from the very end of that twig there would only be leaves going mostly to the left and mostly to the right now it's not mm. perfect like as in like you know it's perfectly flat right. but they're kind of like uh, uh, it's kind of a little left and to the right basically left and right yeah there's none that go upwards there's none that go downwards you know it, lo- it does look a bit like a broadleaf needle yeah it is and that's actually a fun thing about it is that if you try to spin one of those needles in cross section right. it, it won't roll between your uh, your fingers yeah. if you're like trying to just pick it off and spin it it's kind of a flat needle yeah exactly it's and little, got a little width to it it does, and that's that's an, a key identifying characteristic where okay. um, a spruce or a Douglas fir or a pine needle, you can always spin those in your hand for the mm-hmm. most part. Pine needles, they're actually split into like either triangles, mostly triangles of some kind, um, but we're not hmm. going to get into the weeds on that. Um, essentially, they are little tiny flat um, needle-like leaves that have these little teeny tiny petioles, and those little teeny tiny petioles just kind of come off, and then they open up into this larger leaf. But each one of those leaves can be different sizes. Hmm. Some of them are like an eighth of an inch. Some are a full inch. Some are a half inch. Some are three quarters of an inch. So they have multiple different size needles that are coming out, flipping over uh, or going, you know, left and right, left and right, left and right. Interesting. Any any science behind that? Um, no, I don't really know why they would do that. It okay. might just be uh, honestly, yeah, I don't even know. Okay. That's just a, the way this tree just is. The way it is. There it is. This is. I'm learning that this is the answer to a lot of my questions on this show. <laughs> it's like. That's just the way it grows, man. Yeah, they, I mean, it's pretty accurate. That's uh, they just kind of do weird things. Yeah, and I would assume that obviously there's you know some genetic thing to it. All of these you know kinds of trees do that, the, mm-hmm. meaning the western hemlock. But they, you know, it's just a, maybe it could be a competition thing where you know the trees that didn't focus on having perfectly left right things were had genes that did something different. So sure, it might be a responsible thing for something else. I don't know. Okay. Anywho, on the bottom side of those leaves are these two lovely little lines of stomata, is what we call it. Stomata. Yeah, so the stomata, or the stomates, or the stomata, those are um, basically gas exchange pores in the bottom of the leaves, and they will... I don't know exactly what it is, but they deposit what we call bloom, and the bloom is the same kind of stuff on a blueberry, 
you pick a blueberry and you kind of like rub your fingers on it. There's oh. like a little like whitish kind of yes. layer that comes yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's bloom. Grapes too have yes, this. Yes, exactly. So that is the same thing that will happen on the bottom side of um, these leaves. You can't rub it off though quite the same. Um, but if you flip over um, most conifer leaves, many conifer leaves, you flip them over, you can see two exact lines where you see these white bloom coming on the bottom of it. Wow. Those are stomato lines or what they're called. What are they do um they just do gas exchange and so um the leaves obviously are doing a lot of the photosynthesis right uh-huh. so if you're doing the photosynthesis you have to take in carbon dioxide and you have to give out oxygen oh. so you need to have pores in order to do it they're literally doing the same kind of breathing that we're doing except in reverse can i say something of course uh you say tomato i say stomato <laughs> of course you'd say tomato you are such a freak, Alex. I've been wanting to say that for like five minutes. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad that you so finally got it out there. It's so not worth it either. It was totally worth it. What are you talking about? I feel refreshed. I feel. I feel like you know. Now we're now now we're rolling. Now we got some jokes going. <laughs> you know, yeah. beforehand it was getting way too serious. Uh, so the stomata, uh, gas exchange. Yep. Okay. So one, well, these uh, tiny little leaves, they grow off, like I said, two ranked is the term, and they grow off left and right. Okay. And um, if you are looking at these leaves, you will see many of them are kind of flipped to the side a little bit, like they're not all perfectly flat. Mm. So as you look at them, you can see some that are kind of flipped over, and you can see a little bit of that white kind of stomata line. Yeah. Some are long, some are short, and they grow, uh, or they're really soft when they when they come out. So you can just like touch them with your hand. They are very feathery yeah. kinds of of branches and twigs and they are famously um hangy so the Mm -hmm. all the branches all the twigs will just kind of go and just kind of hang down like you put your arm out and you just let your hand kind of rest uh you know like you're not holding your hand out straight you just kind of let it fall down yeah they all do that yeah the the end of almost every single twig it's it's appropriate that you call them feather length because Mm -hmm. that will come up in my croson's homegrown tree oh this is great news well the other thing about this uh is these hemlocks is a couple of other really fun things about these trees they're known to have that same droopiness on their very tippy top branch leader okay so as they're coming out um you can tell a hemlock and this is like a, something that people do and they're like oh you can tell the hemlock because it's got that droopy top and you can see that as their new shoots are going up it just has this little bit that hangs over kind of like a ponytail yeah it's like a, a ponytail that is a little bit too long so it doesn't just stick up straight it just kind of comes off and then kind of you know leans over but it's not long enough to where it like hangs way down it's just kind of like a little a little short ponytail you can just get it long enough <laughs> that just the top kind of hangs over to the side that's you, how i imagine it you know what they were already i already love the western well i liked the western hemlock before today sure but as you're describing it i'm like oh yeah they kind of like they're kind of like slackers like stoner <laughs> kind of types they kind of are yeah it's like hey what's up i'm western hemlock i'm here it's like I, i'm gonna smell? i'm a big tall beautiful tree but i'm not gonna like stand up straight <laughs> yeah okay that's perfect it's gonna take its time yeah i love it, that and a lot of people think or they have said that um it's an adaptation for the tree to not um get broken by say you know ice or snow or yeah, something like that smart. so it's already kind of droopy but then as the tree grows it actually lignifies and adds structure to those really bendy twigs mm-hmm. so the trees grow straight up straight as an arrow with one single gigantic stem Right. But over time, it's kind of like they slowly just pull themselves up straight. And so each time they grow out, they straighten the bottom sections. Wow. Yeah, or the lower sections of that very top twig. Interesting. Yeah. They're adorable little trees, uh, especially when they're very small. They, though, Alex, Hmm. do not stay small for long. Okay. These trees get massive. Yeah. Let me just quickly see here if I can find uh, some statistics to see what the, the biggest tree is here. Okay. All right. All right. Height, 55 meters. Quick. Do that math. That's about 1,000 feet. I, <laughs> I just tried to come up with a good number and I is couldn't. Is that like 106, 170 feet? Uh, it's about, I would say so. I mean, basically times it by three, right? Let's yeah, do this. Yeah. This can eat many meters. To feet. All right. So for all you Americans out there, 180, 180 feet tall. Feet. They routinely also get like eight, nine, ten, twelve feet in diameter. Whoa! Huge. And the only one I've, the only ones I've seen that I know for sure that I've seen, and said, hey, that's a Western hemlock. Yeah. Maybe two feet in diameter. Wow. But still a decent sized tree. Yeah. Like, still decent. Well, Casey, let's talk. My favorite thing about this tree. Mm. 
the cones, my man. Oh, the cones are adorable. What do you think, Alex? You got one in your hand right now. I've got one in my hand. It is about mm, three quarters of an inch yep. tall. Uh, it is spirally arranged. Yes, that's around right. Around the axle axis axis yes well done axles from a car yeah well no there's also an axle like a um uh, auxiliary yeah there's it, it's also a, a plant term to some degree it's I spelled see. differently though the the scales are, are sort of scale shaped like fish scales yeah uh curved at the end there they are a bit cupped uh so they look mm-hmm. like a, maybe like a high ally uh, scoop, you know, yeah. at the end of a like a <laughs> what is that? Hyalai, you know, like that lac- that the mo- the world's most dangerous game. You like throw that ball with the stick. It's like lacrosse, but I don't think I have a hundred times more dangerous. About. Fucking kills people. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Then, um, and they're just the most adorable little symmetrical <laughs> things, aren't they? They're gorgeous. They're a work of art, Casey. They're so cute. Like they, I have the uh, the the Carolina hemlock tattooed on me. Oh yeah. The cones look so so super similar. Yeah. And I just love looking at it. like I just think they're just the most adorable little like skirted little yes. uh, scales that come out and they're so small and the trees just are covered with them. Yeah. And they are littering the ground when they fall where you can literally be walking on a carpet of these little tiny cones that are they don't even hurt your feet you can just cruise right through can i make a declaration of course you can hemlock are my favorite family of cones oh interesting i love hemlock cones all right good point you're a good declaration in shape and morphology uh-huh. Inside the little, their little size. Yeah, they're adorable. Some of them are a little bit bigger. Yeah, not a lot bigger. I like them. I like them how they are. All right, duly noted. Yeah. Well, these little trees are. Um, also, I should make a note. I meant to say this earlier. This is not in any way related to the poison hemlock. Right. This is something that so many people have brought up to me and are like, oh yeah, well you can't eat that tree. And it's like, what? oh yes, okay, I see what you're saying. You're right, you cannot eat this tree, but you can make a great tea out of the new leaves. They have a lot of um, vitamin C in them. More to come. Yes, there we go. However, the um, hemlock, poison hemlock, is actually in the parsley family. Yeah. Um, it's a species of uh, what is it? Cicuta and conium. Kind of grows the, near the water. Thing. Yeah, exactly. It's an invasive species here. It's a it's an herb. Like it does not look anything like it. And that is the thing that what um, was it? Aristotle um, took to kill himself. I think oh, it was wow. because they were like, hey, we're going to kill you, or you can just kill yourself. Jesus. So he took poison hemlock. Christ, what a choice. Yeah, hey, Greeks, man, wild people. <laughs> Aristotle's choice. Yeah, Aristotle's choice. Yeah, okay, that's gonna be the next name of our podcast. People yeah. in impossible situations. <laughs> but. But yeah, so this is uh yeah, I don't even know why they um they initially did this. I feel like I read this one time and I think they named it, it because it like the uh the leaves kind of had a similar kind of featheriness to it. Hmm. That's like the first thing that comes to my brain, but I can't remember exactly why they named the the completely different things after different things. I don't know. Well, I feel like hemlock kind is kind of kind of like the uh you know that old that old Brian Regan joke. The crayon is getting in all the juices. It's like crayon apple, oh. crayon, uh, mm-hmm. you know, mixed berry or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Hemlock is sort of getting in all, the pseudo suga. It's like ah, yeah, it's not. It's like a hemlock. It's kind of like a hemlock. Hey, that's true. That's not unreasonable. And uh, those are the only two examples I, I can think of: the hemlock hey. plant and <laughs> the pseudo suga. I'll round that up to a full gamut. All right. Yeah. So now we're talking. Wow, I got a full gamut from Casey Clapp. Yeah. Well, the last bit is that this bark is really beautiful. You can easily tell the difference between the hemlock bark uh-huh. and Douglas fir bark hmm. because Douglas fir as they get larger they will get really big deep furrows yeah. they hold on to their bark a lot more hemlocks do not get that their furrows stay really shallow yeah. and there's more of them so the hemlock bark uh, like overall looks a little bit more smooth mm. it's a little bit lighter in color a little bit lighter brown yeah and is just like a, the texture of it's a little more fine, I would argue, just I, like the needles. I, I think it's so refined looking. Yeah, it really does have that. If we're going to compare Douglas fir to hemlock, you might as well. Douglas fir is a little brutish to me. I love a Douglas fir. Yeah, okay. I like, I think that's a good term for I mean, it. You know what I'm saying? The hemlock yeah. is, the hemlock has some class. It really, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's got some class. I mean, it's a late successional tree, you know? It's it's a it's a fashionably late successional tree. It's got those soft droopy needles. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Hemlock's here. Do Small, you see hemlock? Those <laughs> delicate cones. Look at those cones. It hangs off of her so beautifully. It really struts. Wow. Yeah, and then right behind is the Douglas fir. 
Oh, <laughs> Douglas. Hey, it's good to see you. Maybe if um, maybe if you just go around back, we got the beer out there. Yeah. Shut the door when he leaves. <laughs> Douglas is getting kicked out. Yeah, he's getting kicked out. Well, hey, he's I'll like eat. the he's like the the old gross man that like started it all, but you can't you have to invite him, but you don't really want him around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? He still comes around, and every now and then, Douglas uh, Fur will have some pretty good stories. That woodpecker yeah. in 1785. That's right. Whoo. He's a real Giorgio Armani yeah, type. Yeah, he, he really is. <laughs> Casey, how about some homegrown trivia? I want to hear it. By homegrown, I mean taken from the pages of Plants of the Pacific Northwest Coast by Pojar McKinnon. Uh, what a smashing, smashing, smashing book. Yes, one of our favorites in, around these parts. So here's what I found from, uh, and we're, t- we're going to talk specifically about indigenous uses of the Western hemlock here. Now, the bark, extremely high in tannin as opposed to other mm-hmm. trees. Yep. Uh, tannin is, of course, used uh, in leather production for tanning. Yes, that is where it comes from. And it's the tannins in the bark that make the tanning process. How wild. I love it. <laughs> uh, the Quileute people used the bark for tanning hides, of course, among many others. Uh, the Coast Salish uh, used the red dye from the bark to color goat wool and as cosmetic uh paintings make, oh, like makeup, makeup essentially yeah, gotcha. yeah. yeah. Oh, okay i practiced this word before you got here yeah the kwakwake wak wait the kwakwake the kwakwake wakwa that's it the kwakwake wakwa wow uh steeped the bark in urine to make black dye yeah uh and then they also made uh dance clothing like skirts and headdresses and headbands and such that's so good uh, the and also well done with the pronunciation that that one has you. a lot of W's in it. It has a W on the end, so you're supposed to kind of give a little at the end. Oh, I see. Yeah, kwakwake wakwa. Nice, uh, yeah, good work. Well, we're, thanks. We're trying our best. Yeah, I looked all, all those all these up beforehand. Uh, the New Hulk and the uh, Shahalis and other uh, groups use the bark to color fishnets. I found this incredibly interesting, Casey. Yeah, why would you color fishnets? You color these fishnets to make them more brown and darker, and they become invisible to fish. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. Isn't that that. genius? Yeah, how do you figure that out? I guess you just like accidentally drop a net in a bunch of stuff, and you're like, ah, shoot, well, let's use it anyway, and it works like 16 times better. And then you you catch like 50 fish. That's so stunning. I didn't know that that, the change of color would affect the fish. Obviously, it seems like so clear now yeah i guess it blends in with the riverbed or yeah. um huh. yeah how about that and then the also the this is this is what i alluded to earlier the hemlock branches re- were used by the coast salish and the nuchanu uh for collecting herring herring spawn case have Wait you seen this no i have not so basically I, I watched a documentary about this uh a group of people in alaska still do this uh-huh. uh, i'm sure many others um but basically you take branches from a hemlock yeah um, because they're so feathery, like you mm. specified, you make a basically a huge uh, river width net out yeah. of them. Uh, you place it at the uh, what estuary? Uh, yeah, where like, the river where the, meets wh- the ocean. Yeah, okay. It col- because of its fine feathery texture, it collects uh, eggs. Yeah, you drag them up when they're when you're all done collecting. Uh-huh. You scrape them off. And you can eat them fresh, or you can dry them. Yeah, some like some fish egg, like escargot kind of stuff. Uh, caviar, yes. Caviar, sorry, escargot, escargot snails. snails. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, pretty genius. That um, is. That's amazing. And of course, medicinal purposes, many uh, Pacific Northwest indigenous groups use mm-hmm. the pitch uh, from the hemlock as yeah. in poultices. Rubbed it on your chest for a cold. Mm, I can see that because it has like the. Uh, this, I would imagine it would have similar effects because it has all the compounds in it that smell kind of like the Vicks vapor rub. Yeah. Like a menthol sort of yeah, exactly. cooling effect. Cool. Uh, also, the the bark is great for teas. Yeah, that's uh, like I said earlier. We I've I've had it before, and it's just a very lovely. It's a tea, so it's not like a robust flavor kind of thing. Sure. Does it taste like wood? Is it woody? No, no, because you get the very early fresh tips. So in the early spring, the tips come out, and they're very like 
uh, bright green, very succulent, and they haven't oh. like added in all their toughness to it yet. Oh, okay. This is the branch tips we're yeah, talking. Yeah, exactly. I, I know there's also a bark tea. Yes, sorry. This is the branch tips. I got you it. just take each one of the new growths that are coming out, dot, 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 pull those off, uh-huh. put it into a tea, and it has a lot of vitamin C in it. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it was very it was very good. Uh, I think we also put in some berries into it. So we had like um, berries and then or, um, the hemlock and then, oh, I want to say huckleberry, but they, were, they weren't ripe at the time, so I don't know what it was. Okay. Oh, well. Sounds tasty. Uh, the Dididat people, they're hunters. So... You go out hunting. Uh-huh. If you run out of food, uh, these hunters are chewing on branch tips as an appetite suppressant. Wow. So I wonder if that tea that that you made yeah. w- would act as an appetite suppressant. That's possible, yeah. And also, how do I get a hold of some? Hey, you could, I can take you to a couple trees. We, we can literally walk outside right now. Yeah, I think so. I think there's at <laughs> least a, a couple late. close by. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh that's like that is something that I'm so stoked to hear about. This is such a like all the the peoples, the indigenous peoples of this region use all these trees to such a lovely extent where they were constantly using almost every part from every kind of tree for a, either a different thing or a similar thing to another kind of tree. But yes, just, you know it, it was it was you have this resource everywhere. I mean, this list is, I mean, you just got this out of one book, you know? Yeah. It's, it's quite a stark contrast, uh, against, um, you know, a European colonizing people yeah. who were all about the waste. Yeah. We're, we're going to make wood and yeah. bark dust. Right. It's like, well, well, what about all these other things? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something else case. I'm going to try to do more of this, uh, more indigenous uses of these plants because I, as I discovered today, this book plants at the Pacific Northwest coast by Poe Jar McKinnon Mm -hmm. is just cram jam full of indigenous uses. It totally is. That's half the reason I love it so much is that you realize every single thing has a connection and a purpose that you could add to it Mm -hmm. from a a completely different perspective that honestly has been lost for a a significant amount of plants and animals around here. Yeah. It's it's a, it's a tragedy. So I'm, I'm happy that it has been written down and that we are still remembering that people still use these trees for other than just looking at and other for, or for other uses than just lumber because it grows in our forest and of course we're going to cut it down if it does. That's right. Well, Casey, on that somber note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more Completely Arbitrary. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Casey, today we're talking the Western Hemlock Suga Heterophylla. That's it. Well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, Casey, let's chat about this tree and what do we have on topic for today? Well, so here's the thing. Um, Are you familiar with the term temperate rainforest? Yes. Tell me what you think. Uh, that's like the kind of forests we have here. Yes, that's it. Well done. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to define them necessarily, but uh, I know yeah. it when I see it. I know? guess I technically don't know either. But essentially, a rainforest is uh, you know if you have to define exactly what that means, it would be a place or a forest or an ecosystem that gets X amount of water per year. Sure. You know, there's a certain threshold, and I don't know what it is. It's high. Okay. So, um, for instance, the eastern United States is not a rainforest even though it's a forest completely and entirely throughout you know if there wasn't so much you know development and tree removal almost everything from the mississippi straight over to the uh east coast all the way up and down from yeah i guess almost just the entire until you get to like maine yeah that everything going down that's all this one big gigantic forest essentially but it's it's drier than the threshold needed to call it a rainforest yeah exactly they don't get um as much rain as we get in our temperate rainforest regions of the great pacific northwest gotcha um and that would be essentially from the 
the redwoods around Santa Cruz, San Francisco, that area, mm-hmm. about halfway around San Francisco, around California, right on the coast, a little teeny tiny sliver along the coastline. Okay. As you go north, that sliver widens and widens and includes the Coast Range Mountains as you go through the Siskiyous and then as you get into the Coast Range that we have here in Oregon, through Washington and up into uh, British Columbia on Vancouver Island into Southeast Alaska. That as it keeps going up north and north, it actually splits and then includes the section of the Western Cascades going all the way up until it reaches essentially the Rocky Mountains up in uh, Canada. So there's a big funnel shape uh, happening to the rainforest on the West Coast. Exactly. Because as you go north, you get more rain. I see. And as you go further west towards the coast, you also get more rain. So as you go further down, you have to go further to the west. As you go up, you can go a little bit further to the east. Okay. And this is uh, essentially from the Pacific Ocean. All the water comes in off the Pacific Ocean, and it just dumps all the time. From more or less three quarters of the year, we just get rain. At least historically, climate change is happening. Yep. Things are changing, um, but essentially we get 90, or actually I did this math one time, Portland at least, gets about two-thirds of its rain in the seasons, uh, I think between November, like the first of November, mm-hmm. October, actually I think it was October, from October through April, okay. essentially we get most of our rain. And um, Sounds about right. Yeah, right? May, we also kind of comes and goes, but then in June, it starts to fade away. July and August, September, we get almost no rain mm-hmm. generally. So in, those, uh, in our rainy season, we just get rain several times a week. It's usually not very intense, but it's enough that on those slopes where there's just nothing but trees on the west side of the coast range, on the west side of the Cascade range, we just get dumped on. Mm -hmm. And this is what makes it a rainforest. It is a temperate rainforest because we don't have tropical uh, temperatures. Everyone thinks, oh, rainforest, it's the tropics. It's like, eh, yes, but there's also rainforest elsewhere. So, our temperate rainforests here are composed of several different tree species, one of which is the western hemlock. Yes. In fact, Alex, it's probably one of the biggest species. It's the state tree of Washington, the evergreen state. But what's unique about this tree, the hemlock, and also the western red cedar, but very notably the hemlock, is that it does this really funny thing um, that is, is usually a really weird thing when you see it years and years later. Mm. What I'm talking about is they grow on nurse logs or they grow on decomposing, decaying stuff. The the, the hemlocks do? The hemlocks do. They grow on logs? Yes. And trees and stumps and rocks and literally anything that has a pile of needles on it, they will grow in it. Wow. Yeah. So are you familiar with the term nurse log? I mean, we, t- we, we, you and I have talked, I think maybe very briefly about it uh-huh. in the context of, Hey, this episode, we're going to talk about nurse logs. And I said, <laughs> okay. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> but from the name, I'm assuming that the nurse log gives nourishment to a lo- other living things. Yeah, exactly. Is that like when I'm walking through the forest and I see a big, big ass downed log and there's like a bunch of mushrooms and moss and yeah. plants growing off of That's it? That's exactly what a nurse log is. Okay. Now, we also use the term to be a little bit more specific towards nurse nurse log for trees because uh, you know ferns and moss they'll kind of grow on anything oh. just about anywhere okay but very rarely do you have a tree that will grow specifically as like a niche habitat on these nurse logs and nurse stumps I see so essentially for anyone who doesn't quite you know isn't quite familiar with the term a nurse log is a a, a living tree that grew up and then fell over and then now it is just slowly but surely becoming a part of the forest. Okay. So it's essentially decaying. Um, The thing is though, it is packed full of water. And this Mm. is what makes it really unique is that you have this tree that falls. It's a living tree day one, boom, day two, the thing's completely on the ground. It's laying on the soil and it's now because it's dying because the tree is now transitioning to a different form all of the defenses that that wood and the bark and everything had they slowly just 
stop working just mm. the same as anything that died you know it will start growing moss on it because now it's not getting it's not defending itself against these other organisms it right will, it will stop compartmentalizing if you yeah. hit a gash in it it'll just be there it'll just be there and then not only that but everything stops working so it's a it's a uh, a shell it's just now an inert thing sitting mm. there so fungus immediately inoculates it okay. almost like without just the very first instant there's going to be fungus that's growing on the bark it's going to be coming from the soil moving up into it and it slowly starts to decompose the bark wow then it starts to get into the wood and then over time all of the lignin gets uh gets eaten all then you have some of the cellulose gets eaten away mm. and then you slowly get these gaps and you get like this really squishy kind of like decayed wood yes you know? totally yeah now that is just almost so sponge-like that you can actually pick it up and squeeze it and have water come from it yeah so in terms of like a great habitat for something that say really likes water something that really loves growing in a rainforest it's a great habitat. Is it better than the soil? It is in some regards, meaning that it has a lot of water in it, uh -huh. and it usually is full of nutrients. The problem is it doesn't necessarily have um, like mineral nutrients that are really accessible. Right. So a Douglas fir, for instance, almost only will germinate from a seed on bare mineral soil because it needs a little bit more, uh, essentially, contact with the roots into the soil. So if you just like have a bunch of bark dust and you put a seed, it's not going to germinate. And if it does germinate, it's not going to survive because it needs more soil resources right up next to its root. Okay. That means it can get more water. Hemlocks, though, they're a different story. They can grow in like the the duff and the organic layer, the very top of the soil, and be happy as clams. Wow. So they don't need all that uh, mineral soil. They can grow in the organic layer on top of that. Wow. So that is their kind of special niche. One of, because they'll also grow in um, mineral bare soil. They'll do just fine. Yeah. But if a seed from a hemlock lands in let's say on top of a um a big gigantic branch on a living tree there's a douglas fir there's a big gigantic hemlock just next door that douglas fir has a branch that's three feet in diameter because yeah. it's an old tree that three foot in diameter bark has been catching it's been growing moss because it's growing really slow on the top now it's three feet in diameter so it's essentially flat on the top right right slowly curves away. So you get maybe some needles land on that moss. Maybe some uh, some other things land on there. Maybe you start to develop a little bit of soil on top of this branch on this gigantic living tree. Maybe not a lot of soil, but certainly a lot of like decaying plant matter. Right. I actually, you read my mind because when you said soil, I thought, well, by soil, do you mean like soil like substance? Yeah, exactly. Almost pre soil would be the way I would describe just it. Just decayed stuff. It's just decayed stuff. Okay. Yeah. And a little hemlock seed will sit itself, find itself growing on that branch wow. in this little duff layer, and it will be like, poof, I'm alive, I'm growing, and it will send its roots into that area not into the tree they okay. don't they're not um, parasitic in that regard right but they will just grow on the side of that branch wow not only that alex if there is a pocket in bark that has developed some amount of decayed stuff and a seed lands there the hemlock will start growing literally on the side of that tree and the roots, they don't grow because this is a, a big misconception. People think that roots will grow to find something like, oh, there's water over there. I'm going to grow over to the water. Right. They grow in the presence of these resources. So a hemlock will send its little root hairs down and it will just follow all this line of resources. Maybe it's... um where there's a little bit of just the tiniest amount of something and its roots will just follow that down. Now, if this is in a nurse log or on the side of a already living tree, you will end up finding over time, because every year this hemlock's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, mm -hmm. you'll find that this little teeny tiny root that at one point was the size of a hair is now getting lignified, getting bigger and bigger, and almost looks like an octopus just like suction to the side of this tree with these big roots that go all the way down the side of the tree into the ground. Wow. I have pictures of this and I will show you and you're going to be like, oh my God. There are trees. I was just up in the Olympic Peninsula this last weekend mm. and there is a western red cedar that's huge. It's like, 
one of these old massive 800 year old trees that looks more dead than alive and as you look up into it you're your untrained eye, not you, just one's untrained eye, would be like, oh, yeah, there's a bunch of nice branches. There's the tree. There's the needles. Okay, great. This big, beautiful tree. Kind of kind of a little rustic, but okay, that's nice. Now, if you have a trained eye, you will actually see that this tree, this western red cedar, actually has a little teeny tiny amount of living foliage way up at the very, very top. Mm. And the actual living stuff that you are seeing lower down are two two-and-a-half-foot hemlock trees that are growing on the side of the base of the tree. Wow. As well as a couple other um, uh, huckleberry species. These trees are huge. They're like, if you measured those trees, easily 12 to 20 inches in diameter, like on for the small one. And then it grows up, and it's literally just growing... It's the base of that tree where you would say now it has become roots. That is 15 feet up on the side of this other massive tree. I got some questions. Yeah, throw them at me. This doesn't seem too smart. Oh, okay. Right? Because mm-hmm. if, if, I, if I grow on the side of another tree, yeah. I am at the will of whatever happens to that other tree. That's fair. Uh, if that tree falls... You're probably falling with it. I'm falling with it. Yeah. Uh, doesn't doesn't seem like uh, the the brightest thing to do for a tree. Like, That's fair. You know, I, I guess maybe a tree can't tell. A tree isn't like a, you know. Yeah, it's not going to be like, well, I wish I was somewhere else. Right. Yeah, they just yeah. have to grow wherever they grow, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, yeah, that that's startling to me. And also... It doesn't seem like it's that. Like if you're growing, if you're a hemlock growing on a nurse log, yeah, doesn't seem like that's that's that stable. Like maybe you get too heavy for the nurse log, and yeah. it's like decayed out. Well, and, that, and so it collapses, and suddenly you're on the ground. That's the thing, actually. So they don't. That happens all the time. Yeah. And this is another fun thing that I I'm gonna send you or show. Uh, have a bunch of pictures of this. We'll put it on the Instagram. With no, the, I the will. Post yeah. This. Yeah. So this is called. Um. Uh, people call them octopus trees okay and so there's a second octopus reference that i'm making now yeah. um you have a gigantic stump you have a um you start getting this this buildup of all this organic matter that's slowly decaying that is a niche that can be filled right so the western hemlocks like sure i can grow there i'm gonna grow there uh-huh. and it like a bunch of seeds land and you get a bunch of little teeny tiny trees each one of those trees let's just say they all die except for one that one that really succeeds and starts to grow up and puts its nice uh, roots down, the all that decayed um, material in that stump or that log, that is just easy to get through for the roots. It's basically just, you know, pre-soil, like we said. Yeah. So the roots will find their way down and keep growing because roots grow down. That's what they do. They grow down until they start growing out. Now, if they start to try to grow out, they're essentially going to hit air, and then that kills them because they're like, wow, now I'm exposed to air, and it basically dries them out. So then that basically prunes off that little hair. So they have another one that's kind of growing down because there's still resources if they go down. So like, well, I'm just going to keep on following the resources. It's a bit like a lightning strike. Just uh, follows the path of least resistance. Exactly. And then slowly, naturally, the, the roots don't go outside of this log. And a lot of times they end up going around the outside because Mm -hmm. that's where most things, if you have a log, it's going to decay from the outside in most of the time, Okay, at least generally, just because that's what's exposed to everything. So that's what gets decayed first. Yeah. So the outside is generally a little nicer. So the roots go all the way down until they hit the soil. When they hit the soil and they start to go down and out, they're like, oh, there's a bunch of room here. Then inevitably, they're going to find a fungal associate. They're going to hang out with that. That fungal associate is going to be connected to other hemlocks around. Those roots are then going to find those other hemlock roots. They're going to connect. They're going to graft together. Now you're connected to the network. Then each one of those roots is going to get stronger and bigger and bigger and bigger until all of a sudden those little root hairs are now the size of your arm, the size of your leg, the Mm. size of your torso. Now you have these big gigantic roots holding up an otherwise completely normal straight tree. Okay. And then the whole stump over this time period slowly decays away and you get literally a tree growing on stilts with a perfectly straight uh, stem growing straight out of it. So there's just a learning curve for being one of these trees on a yeah. nursery. You have to get past that first six months. Yep. And once you ha- have your roots in the ground and they're th- nice and thick and you're, feel- you're feeling good, you're feeling stable. Yeah. 
you just go for it and you, you don't just have to worry it. about the nurse log anymore. Exactly. And you can, if you walk around any of these, uh, of our, um, our forests over here, and this also happens in other places, especially tropical places, <clears throat> um, but it's not super common, not as common um, in other parts of, of the world, hmm. or at least in other non-really um, rainforest-like um, places, because the organic layer and the decay of that log creates such beautiful like habitat for very specific species you see it mostly over here or rather if you go out into the forest you can find it in an instant if it's yeah. a, even a remotely old growth kind of forest it'll be everywhere yeah and you'll see that it's exactly right alex where once that decays away there's like trees that are growing you could walk underneath you could walk in there's a, a state park i think it's uh, beverly beach state park here on the coast in oregon mm. that has a bunch of these trees all over the place and everyone goes to see these big gigantic trees wow yeah so it you just once they get their roots in they're so Solid, and then it doesn't matter what happens to that um, the the shell that they started growing on to begin with. But you are also right if it does if the log like rolls over for some reason. Yeah. Usually it doesn't because it's kind of like have you seen old pictures of the Titanic now like underneath water for a hundred and some years? Right. How it's, like the bottom half of it is covered in sediment? Yeah, and so it so just yeah you're you're not going to imagine that's just going to randomly like and like yeah. tip over. You know this is the log has become a part of the soil. In I the see. photos that we'll post, you'll see very clearly like wait where's where's the log? It's like, that is the log. Right. It's just so covered in moss and ferns and huckleberries and all these other little herbs and things. Yeah. I bet the bottom of that log is basically like, uh, you know, like where the, where the beef hits the bottom bun. It's just like a, a, a yeah. mush. It's just all, all together. one thing where the beef hits the bun. That's exactly what this is. <laughs> but yeah, so this is, uh, so what I, I just think is so cool is that that is the, the, the classic formation of soil. And if you walk through a forest, Alex, you can see nurse logs from it just fell and there's some moss on it. Just a little bit of moss and you'll see a hundred little teeny tiny wow. uh, hemlocks. I have a picture of bark of a Douglas fir, I think it was. And there's holes in the bark from maybe where a woodpecker went in some years ago when the tree was still standing mm-hmm. the tree fell over now from each one of those holes is like a two inch tall little seedling of wow. a little tiny hemlock so the hemlock they just oh. they they are the quintessential nurse log growing trees they they'll, they'll become nurse logs for sure if they fall mm. over but a nurse log is something that we actually used to take out of the forest like oh there's logs everywhere let's clean up the forest floor a little bit right and now people are like no you need to leave those because they're repositories for water mm-hmm. they are actively creating soil and habitat Sa- some salamanders live within the, the decaying logs and um stumps around that's their habitat that's what they do certainly plenty of insects oh plenty of insects and obviously fungi is you know a huge component of this whole thing man if you're if you're a fungal associate and a nurse log lands right next to you it's it's fuck it's dinner time it's business time yeah that's that's got to be like hitting the jackpot yeah it's exactly what it is and it's just it they're and they're so beautiful Alex. like i'm just i want everyone to google them right now because if you can you can find a bunch of really beautiful photos and i i haven't an idea to um, count the species that I find, but they change depending on where you're at. But man, there's just like six different kinds. Six? Did I say sex? You did. Sorry, six different kinds of ferns and a bunch of huckleberries and violet. And then you get hemlock. You get western red cedar. Those are the two trees that really do it around here. Yeah. Yeah, but you, this thing you just won't find Douglas fir very often. Every now and then, maybe sicka spruce. Pine trees don't do it. These these photos are are exquisitely magical looking. I, they are right. It's like that's kind of a classic like fantasy look. It totally is. is. These nurse logs with a bunch of shit growing on it. And you know what, Alex? It really makes me. It drives home. I think the idea of what a a uh, rainforest is hmm. because you come out here. One of my friends would before I even went to Massachusetts before it was not even an idea. Um, we were in Oregon. He was like, the biggest difference between Oregon and Massachusetts is all the moss. Everything out here is covered in moss. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, we're a rainforest. That that makes total sense. I'm really glad that you actually noticed that because I didn't notice it. I took it for granted. Mm -hmm. You go elsewhere, there's not near as much. Interesting. I love love moss. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, nurse logs, they are a really super important part of this. And you know how you can tell, X, if a nurse log was somewhere other than if you have this tree that's growing on a stump and you can see that sort of thing. Yeah. If there's a nurse log that falls, the log that fell was perfectly straight, more or less, right? 
So if you have a bunch of trees that grow on it, maybe you have a hundred little individuals, they all jockey for the best position. They all kind of outcompete each other. Mm-hmm. And then maybe 50, 60 years later, you will have a perfectly straight line of maybe six trees. Oh. And you're like, why, why are these trees just like strangely in a perfectly long wow. row for like 80 feet? That's because there was a 80-foot-long tree. Maybe at 80 <laughs> feet, it's kind of hard to tell if a tree is straight. But certainly for 20 or 30 feet, you can sometimes find these like do-do-do-do-do-do trees that are right in a perfect straight line because each one of them grew on a different section of this old nurse log. That's clever. Yeah, I love that. That's the Western Hemlock, famous for just growing wherever it is landed. Oh. I have some photos, Alex. Sorry. I know I, I just have to add this one thing. Okay. Remember when I said an octopus where it looks like an octopus is like suctioned onto the side of something? Yes. I have a photo that I, I believe it looks exactly like that. You can't even really see where the leaves or where the roots grow down. Mm-hmm. It just looks like someone took a little like splat thing and just went black on the side of a of a tree and then a new tree grew up from it. Wow. I just, I just think it's the funniest thing. It's amazing. So octopusy. Well, Casey, with that, Let's get into our review of the Western Hemlock. Let's do it. We're going to give our final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 Golden Cones of Honor. And as our resident expert, we will begin with you. Okay. All right. So here's the thing. I love the hemlock. I think it's so beautiful. However, I think it's a tree that doesn't really get, uh, what is it? It doesn't kind of, um, I don't want to put this. I think climax species is great, but it's a little bit, I mean, we described it earlier as like a stoner kind of tree. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. I can get on board with that. The one thing I'm just kind of like against is that I feel like when you get a climax tree, it's like this is the creme de la creme. This is the top of the pyramid. But these trees are so just kind of weak. Like they they don't really compartmentalize very well. They get fungus that other trees don't get. And it's kind of like... It's it's kind of like oh you're you're the big like big it's kind of like a king let's take a king for example okay like a historic king where you have like the the fighting kings you know like right. of lore where the it's warrior like, king yeah exactly then you get the kings where it's like you know you hit them with a, a pencil and they're just like ah I mean if we're talking like, oh, God. If, if we're talking Game of Thrones you're you're speaking about a Robert Baratheon versus a Joffrey oh uh, easily yeah, yeah they think they're the shit and they are just so pathetic so yeah. hemlocks or Joffrey. I I don't. I don't want to say Joffrey. I want to say more like the God King Xerxes, okay. where you know you get a. You, everyone has told you you're a God King. I see. You are the climax species. Hail be the uh, uh, the hemlock. Mm-hmm. Eh, nah. It's just you know what they'll live for a little while, but man, a Douglas fir is so much more robust. I'll take, a, I'll take the brutish Douglas fir. Any day over the week. However, I do love the f- the, the featheriness of it. One yeah. of my top favorite cones. So we're gonna I'm gonna give it a. Oh my god. I'm gonna give it a seven point eight. Seven point eight. Yeah, it still seems high, but I just it's a conifer. You know, it gets gets like five just for being itself. I see. Seven point eight golden cones of honor from Casey yeah. Clapp. A little overrated everywhere else though. For the Western Hemlock. There it is. Uh, all right. What well, do you here, got? Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. I love me a Western hemlock. Yeah, you love the cones. Love the cones. Love the uh, love the needles or the, the needle length leaves. Yeah. Uh, I love the shape of them. I love that they are just like, you know, in the way that the tree of heaven is covered in these trash bags full of seeds. <laughs> yeah. The Western hemlocks are kind of covered in trash bags full of cones. <laughs> yeah, they just really go for it. Yeah. Okay. I really like the trash bag uh, metaphors here. Yeah. Uh. <sighs> I love the nurse log thing. I like I like a tree that's industrious and can kind of just grow wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you, but you also said it's kind of reckless, and I kind of like the idea of a reckless yeah. where you're walking through the forest, and you're like, Hemlocks, what are you doing? Yeah. Get down from there. That's a little live fast, die young of the yeah. Hemlock. <laughs> yeah, it is. Which I think is pretty <laughs> pretty hardcore and cool. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's why they got droopy tops. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go a little higher than you, Casey, because um, I don't have this, you know, this undercurrent of but 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 sorry yeah which is fine that's your your cones are your own i'm giving this thing an 8.7 8.7 yeah i i regard this tree quite highly yeah i think that's a reasonable that's a reasonable regard re- 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 regardation yes thank you regardment regardment <laughs> Well, that was our review of the Western Hemlock, a fine tree. A fine tree in every definition of the word fine. That's right. And Casey, speaking of fine, we're about to play a fine new game. A new game, Alex. That's right. It does not have a theme song, but it does have a title. We are calling this game 
the cone scale. <laughs> Here's how the cone scale works, Casey. In front of me, I have a scale. The scale that we use to uh, ship packages <laughs> from our merch store. Uh, we hope it works. And that I'm going to use to make bread. Uh, so on this scale, I'm going to turn it on. Okay. And we are going to place different cones from oh, my cone collection okay. onto the scale. All right. You and I will place bets, Price is Right style, on okay. how many grams we think the cone will weigh. Oh, my God. We have to do it in grams. A gram? Yeah. I don't even have a conception of a gram. We're about to. Oh, God. So I've got varying sizes of cones here. I okay. chose gram because if we do ounces... Mm. Uh, they're all going to be like 0.1 ounces. Oh, I see. And also, then the game won't be fun. Yeah, I think grams also is a, is more universal. Yeah, it's yeah. more international. Okay. Ooh. Okay. All okay, right. Casey. So here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we have about five or six cones here. We're gonna start with this guy. Okay. So what is this, Casey? This is a spruce cone of some yep, kind. That looks like a blue spruce from the Colorado's version. All right, a blue spruce is about four inches tall. Okay. Uh, about an inch in diameter. And I, uh, I'm going to say, I don't know, just for a start. Yeah. You know what? Toss, toss that over. Can I hold it oh, in my hand? Oh, sure. Can yeah. I, can I, okay. Okay. I'm going to say hmm. 50 grams. 50 grams. Yeah. Now, now, do you, could you give me an example of a gram? You know, like, like, uh, you don't have to tell me how it is or what it is. And I guess now this might be too cheaty. I just want to know, like, I want to, I want a conception so I can say, well, well, a silver spoon weighs twenty grams, Casey. Well, you know I'll, what I mean, I'll do this for you, Casey. There is a website. I forgot this part of the game. Okay. Themeasureofthings.com. Ah, you can type in how heavy is and then a measurement, and it'll give you a list of objects that weigh that amount. Oh gosh, okay, yeah. So here's here's a couple things yeah. that weigh one gram. Okay, about nine tenths of a gram is a jelly bean. A jelly bean is, okay, all right, that's So that's tiny. about a gram. That's a gram, okay, yeah. all right. All and right. that's as much as I'm going to give you. I don't okay. want to give you any more. All right, cool. Could you, okay, give me something that weighs 100 grams. No. Oh. So this, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 50, I'm going to say 45 grams. 45 grams, okay, this is for a, uh, a normal-sized blue spruce Colorado cone. blue spruce blue, 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 cone. I'm going to say 22. 22? Yeah. Okay, and I say 45? Yeah. Let's put it on the cone scale. Casey, what? We are both over. This weighs sixteen what? grams. Sixteen grams? Yeah, about sixteen grams. A compact disc, a CD. Ah, I've heard of those. Maybe a triple A battery is about sixteen grams. Triple A. Wow, grams. I don't understand them. Next, we have 16. a shore pine. Yes, it is about an inch and a half tall, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. an inch in width. Okay, what do you think, listeners? I don't know about that, Casey. <laughs> nobody, nobody texted me. Well, Casey, what do you think about this Give one? Me the, the shore pine. Sh- the shore pine. All right, so it's much smaller, but it's a little bit denser. I'm gonna it go is. ten. All ten right, grams. I'm saying eight. Eight. Okay, mm-hmm. undercut me again. Here we go. The shore pine is going on the cone scale. <sighs> this cone weighs five grams. You're kidding me. We both overshot again, Case. Dang it! All right, so we're never gonna go spin that big wheel. No, maybe this next one. We're getting better though. All right, I just I want the better. living room set, Alex. Next, your favorite cone, Casey. Ooh. The Metasequoia Glyptosterboides. That's the one. In common, this is a Don Redwood cone. Mm-hmm. It's an itty-bitty guy, about half an inch tall, about half an inch thick. Yep, it's going to be my next tattoo. Uh, what do you think, Casey? How many grams does this weigh? One. One gram? One gram, Alex. I am also going to say one gram. Okay. Here oh. we go. The Metasequoia Glyptosterboides is going on the cone scale. Oh, my God. Is it One. Two grams. You're kidding me. That thing's two grams? <laughs> well, we each got a point, Case. All right, we get a point. All right, so we're tied now. And look at, let's look up some things that weigh two grams. A playing card. One playing card. Yeah. Okay, wow. A penny. Very light cone. Next, Casey, we have a quite large Douglas fir that cone. That is, but not a, not a big Douglas fir cone, just a normal-sized Douglas fir, not a big cone. Douglas fir is what I'm saying. I see. Yeah. Yes, this is a normal Douglas fir cone. It okay. is, however, quite large. Yeah, I'm trying to gauge this. It's about three and a half inches tall. Yeah. About an inch and a half wide. Yeah. Just yeah. a gorgeous work of art. Really I love this truly cone. truly beautiful. Uh, what do you think, Casey? How many right. grams do you think this weighs? So that one's 16. That one was less. I'm going to say this one's, I'm going to say this one's 14 grams. Okay. I'm going to say... 17 grams. 17? You think it's more than the spruce? Yeah. Wow. Let's see. Let's right. go on, on the cone scale. Casey. Yes, come on. 21 grams. You are kidding me. That thing is more dense than that 
pr- uh, the spruce cone? It apparently is. I'm stunned. Did you tear everything out here? Is one, this a? Did you check the scale? Oh, I've been tearing. Yeah. All right. Uh, one point to me, although I don't think we've been keeping track. Yeah, we have. Now you have two. I have one. We've okay. Been, we've both been over on the other ones. Thank you for keeping track. Oh, I can't believe that. Twenty-two. Twenty-one grams. Twenty-one grams. And things that are twenty-one grams: a mouse, a mouse that weighs as much as a mouse, a double A battery. Oh, those are bigger. Okay, so we have two more. Okay. Oh my! Here I have God. the largest cone in my collection. A gift from you. Huge. A Coulter Pine. Cone. I love that. It is maybe nine inches tall. Uh, yeah. Maybe yeah, five yeah. or six inches wide. Yep. Uh, it's a behemoth. It's, it's pokey. Yeah. It's covered in sap. It'll kill you if it lands on your head. Yeah. Uh, the scales are thick as shit. Mm-hmm. What do you think? How 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 much does this Coulter Pine weigh? Can we go? Can we just go straight to pounds on this? No, this has to be grams. I can't do. How many grams does this thing go? I hope this is not going to crush your scale. Okay, so it's obviously like exponentially heavier. This uh, two thousand grams. Two thousand grams. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm going a little lower. Mm. I'm gonna say like. Five hundred, like like five hundred and fifty grams. Five fifty? Oh yeah, you're just going for points now. I see the game you're playing. Two thousand grams? Yeah, look at that thing. All right, all right, here we go. It's going on the cone scale. Don't drop it though. Eight hundred and fifty nine grams. No way. I was so wrong. Yeah, that's that felt like an overguess. I'm so bad at this. Oh shush. You're crushing me right now. So things that weigh eight hundred and fifty eight grams. A small child's head. A liter of water. Oh, okay. All right. A basketball. Oh, that weighs as much as a basketball? And a human brain. Oh, my God. That's a human brain-sized cone. Casey, our last one here. Okay. Is the indomitable. Ooh. The precious. It's so adorable. The topical Western hemlock. That's the one. Okay. All right. All right. How much does this Western hemlock weigh? This is about... mm, Half an inch tall, half an inch thick. Yep, yep. Very feathery, very gorgeous. Very, very hemlock. Very, very light. One gram, Alex. I will also be saying one gram. I hope that we are both wrong. It's going on the cone scale. Zero grams. Yeah, it's floating. <laughs> it doesn't even register on the scale. Oh my god! I can't believe that. Finds okay. Look up what weighs zero grams. I've I've got something that weighs zero grams. Yeah. If you took everybody who enjoyed this segment and put them on a scale, <laughs> there you go. Thanks, thanks everyone. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. That was the cone scale, Casey. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q and A this week. Our question is from Kelsey from Manitoba. Manitoba, my favorite province. Wonderful. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Casey and Alex. Uh, my husband and I have been enjoying your podcast. Love the new funky theme song, by the way. Ah, uh-huh, word. There's the validation I needed, That's Casey. That's what I'm talking about. I was looking at my apple tree planted next to my crab apple tree, and mm. I wondered, what is the difference between crab apple and eating apples? Mm-hmm. And eating apples. Yeah. Uh, how are they related? Were eating apples bred from crab apples? Thanks, Kelsey. Ah. Kelsey, thank you for the wonderful question about apples, which Casey is extremely passionate yep. about. Casey, difference between crab apple and... An apple that we may eat. All right, Kelsey, thanks for the great question. This is fun because it is an easy answer. The difference is there are no differences except for the size. Little apples we call crab apples. Big apples we call apples. Wow. That's it. That's officially it. Thanks, Kelsey. Talk to you next week, Alex. (laughs) Wait, so if a crab apple keeps growing, it will become an apple? Well, that's the thing. So the big apples that we eat are eating apples. Those are bred to be big apples juicy full of a- apple but apples. real true to nature apples yeah. are the size of crab apples they're usually even smaller wow because they they're only, bitter as shit they yeah, taste terrible exactly but they were not evolved for us humans they evolved for birds and small mammals and things like that right. to eat eat the whole thing as one big thing and then defecate poop out all those seeds somewhere else and now you got a new apple tree growing fascinating so we started growing them bigger because we were like well we got to eat these apples and we find them to be much more satisfying because a they're we can breed them to be sweeter Mm -hmm. and b everyone wants bigger stuff you know you want big fruit 
for better or worse. But in this case, they ended up just breeding big apples that had good flavor, and that's those are the ones we eat. Well, I mean, apples with flavor. I don't want to say so much as good. I mean, have you ever had okay. a Red Delicious? Come on. What's the point in that? I don't mind an apple. Yeah, it's like you have to peel off the outside of a Red Delicious because it's like you get this waxy like coating and it like sticks in your teeth, and you're like, why did I do this? Well, the waxy coating is literally corn wax. Um, but anyway, so uh, we used to, like, whenever we would make cider, cider apples were always the little teeny tiny ones, okay. like Johnny Appleseed, another, like, reference that guy again. Um, he would just throw seeds of apples out. Whatever grew, he would then take seeds from that one and then throw them out. New apples would grow up, and they would be these little teeny tiny, awful, no one wants to eat them crab apples. They still have juice in them, so you smash down that juice, you ferment it, and you get yourself cider. Okay. But you don't really care if it's like super sour cider or anything else. You're just like, oh, I've got a bunch of cider. I'm going to drink it. It's great. But yeah, that's a, that's the end of it, is that they're just a different, the same exact apple, botanically, same exact thing. They got five seeds in it, they got their, uh, uh, what's the papery thing in the middle that I'm thinking of, the ovary? Oh, yeah. What are they called? The core, just the core of the apple. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, except uh, they just bred them to be tastier and bigger. There you and have it. destroy the tree because they grow too big and they are delicious, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, I don't want to get you started on that. All right, Dale, but that's a great question. Yes, thank you so much, Kelsey, for your question. And if you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. Join us on Instagram at arbitrarypod. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod. You can join our Patreon to support the podcast for one, five, or $10 a month. You can join the Arboretum and get two episodes, extra episodes a month, or the Cone of the Month Club. Every month you get a cute little cone sticker from a different artist. It's a lot of fun. There's also a Facebook group. Casey, have you dabbled in the Facebook group? At I all? haven't got there yet. I think I tried to find it and I couldn't find it. It's called Completely Arbitrary Fungal Associates. And there's, as of today, that we are recording this as of a week ago, uh, there is a Discord channel. Oh. The Completely Arbitrary Fungal Associates. So told me. search for those things. We're very excited that that our fungal associates are just taking that stuff into their hands and, yes. and making it happen. I believe this is the evolution of a uh, of fungus. Yes. Of fungi. Oh, mm, sorry. Of fungus or fungi. We are officially associates. Yeah. We're associates of associates. Wow. Oh, this is so much fun, you guys. <laughs> uh, Casey. Yeah? We've come to the end of this episode We've of Completely Arbitrary. Done it. Well done, my friend. Oh, I'm going to go find a nurse log and just hang out. Hey, that sounds like a good idea. You're so soft. Just octopus splat yourself <laughs> on the side. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 